Amen, amen. Welcome to Christ Church this morning. Let's uh, thank the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. <clears throat> well, friends, um, we have come to it. It is the final message in our series in the book of Acts. So uh, quick uh, by uh, raising your hands. How many of you um, were, were a part of our church previous to the start of the book of Acts series? How many? Okay, so there's a good share of people that have come and been a part of our church uh, during this series. Um, I hope and, and pray and have seen the fruit of what it looks like when uh, we teach through God's Word and the work it's done in my heart and in your life, I know, has been uh, certainly profitable. And um, uh, last week, uh, we, we looked at um, uh, four dominant themes out of Acts for us individually. And uh, let me just review those. We talked about enveloping your life in the person and work of Christ. We talked about eliminating all competing missions. We talked about extending the gospel to everyone, everywhere, every day, and enduring opposition. And um, before I jump into the message and pray for this week's uh, final message, uh, some of the lessons we've learned for our church, um, I want to I wanna go back to last week because what happens um, in the midst of uh, communicating God's word and teaching every week is uh, sometimes there are moments when uh, you realize after a message that there was some clarity about that message that was not as crystal clear as I think I would have wanted it to be. And uh, I love the culture in our church where uh, people feel uh, comfortable communicating with me and giving feedback. And uh, that feedback is heard. And when um, I feel like something might have been heard or misunderstood, I want to go right after that in humility and say, hey, here's what we meant. And uh, at the end of last week's message, I talked about, and we were talking about enduring opposition. I uh, laid out some sort of societal issues that have been going on in the last uh, year or so, everything from vaccines and virus and political issues and critical race theory and all those things. And I sort of put them all in one big pile and I said, listen, we're not fighting to win, we're fighting to die. And I think what happened in the communication of that was some people I th I rightly understood or thought that what was being communicated was that uh, we don't want to talk about those issues, we just want to talk about the gospel, and we're just ignoring those issues. That is not at all what we're trying to communicate. What I was trying to communicate last week was our enduring opposition should primarily be for our proclamation of the gospel. That's what Acts taught us. But those issues, we don't want to make every issue that comes up in our society something that we're going to put right from the pulpit and pound our fist about and make our primary stance on. But hear my heart. I know right now there are so many people in our church home quarantining or dealing with the re reality of the COVID virus still. I know that there's some people in our church that are wrestling with the vaccine mandate and if that continues in whatever form, what that means for their livelihood. I know people have wrestled with what's being taught in public schools, all of that. I want you to hear my heart. We hear that, we have compassion on that. We welcome any conversations about that where we can give you some of the uh, wisdom, but, but some of those issues, there's even differences on our staff and our elder team but there's no difference about the gospel. And so, do you guys hear my heart in that? I just wanna make sure I know there's so many people, even on our staff who are wrestling with this within their own families, 
We love you. We're praying for you in that. We're wrestling through that. But every one of those issues can't be brought right to here. And I don't want to use the pulpit as a place where we feel like we've got to designate our stance on every one of those issues. But instead, we want to be accommodating and loving, and we will process through that with people. That's happening in our groups. That's happening amongst our staff. So just hope you guys hear my heart in that, and I wanted to make sure that was clear. And so um, with that said, let me just thank you. Thank you for that. That's encouraging. Um, And so uh, let me just um, now pray before we talk about what God's kind of been teaching our church through the book of Acts. Let's pray together. God, thank you for... Um, that applause, I believe that that comes from um, clarity being found where it wasn't previously. And uh, I'm so thankful, God, for um, our life together as a church. I'm thankful for the ways that we have to navigate through these things in our world. And uh, I'm deeply grateful for a church that is growing, I believe, in their ability to Uh, both receive from um, and be led in humility, but also to understand that no one that stands in front of them at any point believes that we've arrived or are going to do things without mistakes or failures or a lack of clarity. And I'm just thankful, so thankful for the generous feedback from people in our church, even some that I've seen today. And I just thank you for that. And so lead us now as we process through the end of Acts and uh, what you've been teaching our church. And I pray you'd align us and that we would continue to press forward together for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, 45 messages that we've had in this series through the book of Acts. And um, there's there's no way you go through uh, the book of Acts without it impacting your perspective on the church, right? Like you just can't, you can't navigate through the book of Acts and not have it impact your perspective. And if you've been asking some questions about how this should be impacting the church, trust me, we have been. And um, both the priorities, the purpose of the church, the heart of the church, the work of the church, all of it. And this series has come in a time in our society when views on the church are being challenged everywhere I look. Too many believers are wrongly devaluing church and coming up with all plethora of excuses and justifications. They're going long periods without gathering together with God's people. And some of them haven't even come out of their homes since COVID. Or or, or they've chosen other priorities instead of prioritizing the gathering of God's people. And God's word is clear. We're called to gather. And yes, we saw it all through the book of Acts. It's messy. It's messy. Like I just illustrated, things don't get communicated clearly and there can be misunderstanding and there could be hurt feelings and there could be all sorts of things, not just in the midst of our gathering together but in the midst of our smaller gatherings together because we, we're, we're broken people and we're walking and as long as we're humbly learning together though and wanting to come under the mission of what God calls us to be, it can be beautiful in the midst of the mess. And that's the church Yes, watch online if you're sick. Watch online if you're checking out our church. But, but at a certain point, we gotta come together with one another to, to grow and to, and to walk in the, in the growth and even understanding of what it means to love one another, to, to, to serve one another and, and begin to use our gifts in all of its imperfections and grow in that and to remember, most importantly, to remember and worship Jesus together. Remember what Jesus said 
The gates of hell will not prevail against what? Against the church. Against the church. And it's not your interpretation of the church. It's what God says about the church. That's why I've been so thankful for Acts, clarifying what the church is supposed to be. Here's what I've seen both in my life at times and in yours. We cannot allow our view of the church to be defined by our past experience or any current situation. We do not get to define the church. We align ourselves with what God's word teaches about the church. And that's why this study through the book of Acts has been so valuable for our church. To set a clear vision for the church. That there's a willingness to persevere through difficult times like we see in the book of Acts. So today I want to just, <coughs> just outline some sort of key characteristics of the church that we see from Acts and then ask the question, how, God, do you want our church to move? What things do you want us to learn? And I'm going to outline some of those and just share with you guys really openly about some of the ways God has, is shaping our church through this so that we all can be on the same page moving forward. So first, let's look at six summary statements found at key points in the book of Acts. Many have pointed these out as sort of these like summary statements. You know, like if you were to talk about your family or your marriage and you were to be like, year one through five, summary. Year six through 10, summary. This is sort of like these key summary statements. Look at them. Chapter six, verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. 12.24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Next, we've got uh, 16.5. So the Churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. 1920, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Chapter 28, 31, the last verse in all of Acts, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so into this, let me... um, ask the question, what do we learn from these statements? What was happening consistently in the local church, in all the places, all the different cultures, and all the different communities of different sizes and different places? What was happening consistently? One, teaching and preaching God's word. It's always increasing. There's this desire to say, um, how is the the word of God training us and guiding us. Then, inviting people to enter God's kingdom. Inviting people to enter God's kingdom is seen throughout the church. That because Jesus is Lord of all, the gospel is intended to go to all, this message about Jesus. And so, there's a growing appetite and faithfulness to proclaim the gospel to invite people to leave the kingdom of the world and enter the kingdom of God, to have a worldview that changes and instead of being shaped by the world is now being reformed and shaped by God's word, by the gospel, by the kingdom of God. 
Next, increasing in number. This is always a work of the Lord, but there is um, a desire for multiplication. There's a desire for extension that we're never at a place where like, sweet, I got my like 10 Christian friends. We're just gonna rock this until Jesus comes home or until we all die. Like, like, that's not what we're doing. And so we're looking at that and we're, we're, we're praying for that and trusting God in that. Increasing in maturity, being built up. You saw that in one of the passages, a walking in the fear of the Lord. If you want a great indication of maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ, ask the question, do I have a more sensitive fear of what God says about stuff now than I did a year ago? It's a really good indication of maturity. Comfort of the Holy Spirit, strengthen in faith, all of these uh, uh, pictures of maturity. And then finally, uh, for us individually and for sure for the church, courageous endurance. Boldness and without hindrance in what? In proclaiming the kingdom of God and in teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the focus. That was the heart. And as I, was, as I was studying, I was sort of closing the book on my, closing the, 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 the book of Acts and in my own study, I came upon this quote by Daryl Bach in one of his commentaries that perfectly sums up what I've just taught probably last week and this week. Just follow along and just receive this, a summary. The theological premise of Acts is that Jesus is Lord of all, and so the gospel can go to all. Luke's message is this, be reassured. We need reassuring today. The unhindered progress of God's word about salvation to all people is occurring by God's direction, fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the long revealed promise of scripture to Israel and despite opposition. The new religion is really an old one, Rooted in God's promise and direction, the word will get out. If not through our church, God will raise up someone else. If not through your life, God will raise up someone else. In fact, despite all the obstacles we see in Acts, the book ends with the gospel going out unhindered. It should give us confidence in today's world. For wherever the gospel is shared, there is offered an open door to the presence of God. I just love that. I could stay there and preach a whole series on that. No matter how tension-filled or restricted life is. This was written before this last two years, okay? Just to be clear. And I love this. God is the hero of Acts. God is the hero of Acts. And the plot line is how he reveals his word through Jesus and a faithful church. And when I read that, I just go, I want to be that church. I want you to say, I want to be a part of us being that church. It's an all-in moment. God will make sure it happens, and so will a faithful church. And you just, there's a part of that that just feels like a, a call to action, which sometimes at the end of commentaries, you don't exactly get call to action. You sort of get, you know, falling asleep. And I'm just so thankful uh, for that quote and that truth. And the truth is this. The story of Acts has been, is, and will continue to play out. And it will continue until Christ returns. And so if we sit here at a time in human history when Christ has not yet returned, 
The big idea we and every real Bible-believing, gospel-centered, Jesus-praising and glorifying church needs to uh, process through is this statement, this big idea. The church of Jesus Christ is still responsible to continue the redemptive mission of God. And if we believe that, then both in the preaching of God's word and the inviting people to hear the kingdom of God and in growing a church and increasing in maturity and, and courageous endurance, we have to ask the question, how? How are we going to continue the redemptive mission of God? And this is the question that, that has, we've walked through the book of Acts, our leadership, our staff, our elders, in my own heart has been churning over this, churning over this. There's been situations and circumstances and things playing out in our church that we're like, uh, God, what are you doing in this and how are you leading us? And we wanna be more clear and we want to um, continue the redemptive mission of God in our church. And I want you to know the leadership of this church, we love you. And uh, we want to continue this redemptive mission with more care, with more balance, and in a more healthy way. And so that's a picture of what Acts is teaching and encouraging the church in summary form. And what I want to do now is, a different than, than some messages, I want to now move and say, um, how is this happening in our church right now? What are some key things that I want to let you know and give you a glimpse of what God's doing and bring you along with it so that there's clarity walking forward? three directions God is leading our church from the lessons we learned in Acts. The first one is this, sharpen the mission and pillars. I want our church to, um, to be crystal clear about our mission because it was crystal clear in the early church. So focused, relentless on fulfilling the mission. I believe that, that when you read Acts and when you understand what the gospel is teaching, you have to be a mission-driven church. You have to be. The, the end of the church cannot be anything else than the thing that if all of us just went away would still be the goal of the church. And so we, we can't be a church that's driven by felt needs because, goodness, you'll just be all over, tossed to and fro. Um, you can't be driven by past experiences or expectations, some that have been good, some that have not, some that have been for a time, some that have endured. We can't be driven by the, near, the newest fad in church. Oh, I heard this church is doing something really cool. Let's do that. Let's change everything to try to chase that. I've seen where that ends too often. It cannot be driven by a specific person or a group of people. It can't. It can't. It can't be driven by fear. It can't be driven by our past. Trust me, they're all temptations. We have to be driven by God's mission, what Jesus Christ has called the church to be. Nothing more, nothing less. And our goal in leadership in our church is to shape that and to try to stay there. And in our society, one of the things we've recognized over the past few years is with increasing measure, more and more people have very little knowledge of the Bible. I hope that if that's your situation or the circumstances of your life that you would uh, come here knowing that we just want to teach you from God's word and we want to have your life steeped in God's word so that that's your foundation. 
that you would grow in dependence and in an independence that you can study God's word yourself and learn from it in addition to us trying to fuel and help and support that. Many people have not been taught by God's word. They don't know the gospel. And because of this, we've seen that we need clarity in our mission, less Christianese, more careful teaching on the mission of our church. And, uh, and we, just have, we just have looked at our mission statement and we've just said, you know what? I th- we, we believe, our leadership believes it lacks clarity. Let's look at the mission of our church. Um, we exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Here's why we've wrestled with it. Great Commission's not in the Bible, okay? Like it's a heading, but that's not, that's not part of the original language. The Great Commission isn't utilized commonly in the midst of uh, what the church is supposed to be. It's Christianese, it's church language, it's sort of insider. It doesn't really tell us what we're called to be. And so uh, we have this morning uh, something to put in front of you, a first draft of a um, uh, we've worked on this as staff and elders of the uh, proposal for a mission statement that gives a lot more clarity. Here it is. It is, we exist to glorify God by making disciples of all nations who love God and love others. Now you've got it all. Now you've got explicitly clear from what Jesus says in um, in um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, in addition, you've got the primary nature that you see throughout the New Testament about what should mark disciples. Love God, love others. That, I think that came from the mouth of Jesus, that those were the two greatest commandments. And we believe this is more crystal clear than ever. And we won't go where we need to go if it's not clear where we are going, okay? Okay. We will not go where we need to go if it's not clear where we are going. And we're presenting this and putting this in front of our church because it's not done. It's not final. This is a first draft and we're putting it in front of you for prayer. And if any uh, a reason there would be um, a desire to give feedback, we welcome it. We welcome it. And would hope that you would um, communicate with us about this. Um, well, some of our staff or our elders or me directly We want to announce the final direction on this in January, but are just wanting to lovingly put it in front of our church now, sharpening the mission. Second, sharpening our pillars. We've evaluated the pillars that for so long sat on the wall in our cafe um, until we've had this sort of painting project, and we realized increasingly that they were tied to the past, past relationships, past influences, past associations, And we also were feeling that they were insufficient in defining who we were, some of the key pillars of our church. And so because of a lot, because of our relationship and uh, association in Great Commission Collective, um, we are proposing that we would adopt not those, the four pillars before were this, uh, unapologetic preaching, unashamed worship, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness. We're not changing any of the heart of any of those, but the six distinctives that we believe should be the six pillars and we're putting up in front of you are this. Put that up on the screen. There you go. Um, Six pillars. Bold preaching, passionate worship, fervent prayer, courageous evangelism, and then these last two have always been a part of our church. We just want to get them clear in front of our people all the time. Purposeful discipleship, strategic church planting. And so what I hope you see here is Uh, nothing new, nothing new. This is a sharpening 
of what we've believed for the purpose of alignment. We believe a lot of these uh, sharpened pillars are a little bit as opposed to being the negative or the positive of what we're wanting. It's always easier for me to tell you what we want it to be, not what we don't want it to be. And we believe this helps with clarity and uh, as you can see, even some of the associating clarity on the scriptures around those. And uh, again, putting it in front of our church for prayer and feedback. We, we love you and we're walking through this together and uh, it's in a season of review and uh, listen, but the heart behind this is, as the world grows more confused and distracted and lacking clarity, we want in the Church of Jesus Christ for us to be, I hope you see this over the last uh, season, God's been simplifying some things and refocusing our minds and our hearts on some things. And I believe that it's, it's held us as an anchor in the heart of what the gospel is supposed to be and I believe what the church is supposed to be. So uh, please um, welcome feedback. We're trying to move towards more clarity. That's the first thing, sharpening the mission and pillars. Second is this, solidify the leadership. Throughout Acts, uh, we see specific leadership roles emerging in the church, roles that serve to establish, develop, care for, and lead the church. Roles that every church has to process through because they need to exist in some form, I believe, when you read God's word. So let me just review with you uh, two of those primary roles within the church that are in the midst of, we're working through and we've seen God impact over this last year in the book of Acts, year plus. First, elders, elders. Uh, we are committed to, at every level, teaching on some of these roles so that everyone has increasing clarity on what they are at Christ Church. Elders in the Bible are an office in the church made up of spiritually qualified, appointed men who come together regularly to give oversight and direction to a local church, and this is really important, in a plurality, plurality. Lots of leadership teams everywhere miss that point. It's plurality in number, but it's also plurality in the spirit among the elders. I mean, remember guys, remember Acts 20? Paul has this moment with the Ephesian elders and, and he's literally weeping as he declares what he's done and as they're praying together for the church before he leaves and he gives them the call that they have to love the people and to lead with this affection in relationship that they had together. That is the picture of plurality that we're going after at our church. I just came off an elders retreat on Friday and Saturday and I, I, I wish sometimes I could give you a, the sense of what's happening in and around those times together. That it's spiritually aligned, it's mission aligned, it's relationally aligned, it's biblically aligned, it's this unity around this purpose that we're talking about today. It's a community that we have among elders that's a plurality, there's a care and a support and accountability for each other and for me. I love God's vision for plurality. And I, into that I wanna ask you, I don't think we do this enough, but there's four elders at our church right now. We're prayerfully processing through adding some more in the next year, but um, it's me, it's uh, Rex Visser, it's Charlie Barnes, and it's Doug Bance. And I want to encourage our church family to pray for us. 
pray for the elders of this church. Pray for the responsibility that we feel and walk with. Pray for us um, in situations where regularly we have to make decisions that we know are not going to make everyone happy. Pray for us as we strive to listen to God well, to listen to each other well, to listen and care for the people of the church, all of you, to hear each other patiently, and to trust God in the decisions we make, even when sometimes it's never perfectly clear. Thank you for um, your honest questions and feedback. I want you to know we're striving in the next a year or so as we think about a sort of a five-year vision of how our elders can be more connected with our people. We're asking those questions. And most of all, thank you for your partnership because really what we're chasing after is we just want to continue the redemptive mission of God well and in line with what Jesus says. So that's the elders. Second is the deacons. That's another clear office in the church. It's established, as if you remember, it's established for the first time in Acts 6 as they were caring for some needs in the community, in the, in the local church. And you see it other places um, in the New Testament. One of the things that we've learned on the hard way is, is that there are some crazy perspectives about deacons in other churches, okay? I just gotta be honest, I didn't grow up in the church. Like, I've been in like three churches, okay, in my entire life. I've only changed churches because I moved, that's it. And in those times, uh, there was consistency about the perspective of deacons. And I, when I started this church and we started building stuff, I didn't even realize how many crazy things there were about deacons. And I've learned the hard way that that is the case. I mean, there's some places that they use deacons like we use elders. The word in the Bible is elders, not deacons. The Greek very understanding of the word is fundamentally changed if you exchange deacons for elders. It's not consistent. And so in that, there's been some confusion. Some churches have, uh, some churches in the, or people's background, they believe that like deacons are supposed to be this sort of competing board against the elders and that creates all sorts of fun, I promise you, if that's the case. And, um, and, and, and so into that, there's been some confusion. And um, in the lack of understanding of that, my lack of understanding, led to, I'm gonna be transparent, led to one of the biggest leadership mistakes I've made in our church in the last six years. When we started the deacons, um, there was not a lot of biblical clarity that I had on that. I operated thinking that everybody sort of naturally understood what the Bible taught and realized really quickly that wasn't the case. And there wasn't a robust training process for deacons. And it created confusion and disappointment and wrong expectations that honestly have grieved my heart. And so refreshing was the ministry of God through the book of Acts to remind me of what deacons were, how to train to that, how to establish that. But when we make mistakes, here's the thing, church, we don't stay in the same place. We learn from those mistakes. And I'm thankful for the grace of God in my life and the graciousness of leaders alongside me that when I said, I've really screwed this up, they weren't like, oh no, you didn't. They were like, okay, let's move forward. Let's learn from this. Love that. And over the past year, especially during my time in sab my sabbatical time this past summer, um, I spent, I was kind of, kind of called to by our elder team to really spend some time processing through what God's word teaches about deacons and how to do this well in our church. And here's some of the books, if anyone's interested, on the resources that most minister to me 
and our team, um, Matt Smethurst and Henry Webb's book on deacons. If you're curious about that, those are going to become essential training, parts of training our deacons moving forward. Here's what I learned. Deacons are disciples with specific godly character. There is character things in First and Second Timothy and Titus who are serving in a specific area of practical need in the church. And through this, let me just give some honor where honor is due. Um, Mike Dobb, one of our deacons, has been unbelievably patient along this sort of restructuring and reworking this. He has been patient. He has been championing uh, some of the convictions that we've learned from this. He has affirmed it. And I am deeply thankful for his support along with all the other elders and deacons and staff on this. And uh, I am so excited for what God has ahead in this. And we will talk more on this. But guys, here's what, here's what I want you to know. Just like you individually can have some things that God's working on you in, collectively as a church, we're learning from God's word and it's leading us. And part of that is solidifying leadership and helping our church understand with clarity what that is so that you know and so that you understand. And we love you in that and want to do a better job of that. So pray for us as we look to sort of establish plurality, continued plurality in our elders and restructure our deacons and pray as we look to add more deacons and elders in our church and just excited for what that's going to do. So thank you for that and thank you for your support in that. And finally this, applicable to everybody here, the last thing that we're evaluating as we walk through the book of Acts for our church is this, strengthen the disciples. Strengthen the disciples. Remember what we looked at in summary earlier. What is the primary tool for strengthening the disciples? Question. What is it? Primary tool for strengthening the disciples all throughout those summary statements was what? Was what, church? The word. The word of God. The, the preaching and the teaching and the proclaiming and the consuming of God's word. And, and, and you know, <laughs> your faith, a relationship with Jesus Christ, starts by faith in Christ. And there is something that God can do in a moment. I've seen God work through the word. I've seen God work in the midst of worship. I've seen God work in the waking someone up with a sense and a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. I've seen all sorts of things that bring people to faith. But then there is a walking in that faith. There's a walking out of that faith. And, and disciples are marked by increasing submission to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ has seen in the word. And so in, in Acts, the leaders in the church were so focused in, in multiple layers of proclaiming and teaching and training in the word. Listen, listen, when Paul went back through the churches to strengthen the, the, the disciples, he wasn't um, going into those towns and starting exercise classes, okay? That's not the strengthening that was being talked about there. The strengthening was a strengthening of our souls and our spirits and our minds about who God is and what he calls us to. And so into that, we just, it, it's caused us to ask the question, is, is what we're doing in the church at multiple layers, is it sufficient for teaching and training the disciples, the people, all of you, all of us together, so that we can be strengthened in the Lord and in the faith. So the question then is, how is this happening at Christ Church? And maybe how are some of the ways we're thinking through this? Number one, first, it's happening in weekend services. When we gather together, church, 
there is a strengthening that happens. There is something supernatural about the gathering. Nothing has been more evident to me than the processing coming out of the weird, what in the world do we do as a church around COVID, watching the people come back into the building and go, there's nothing like gathering. I'm strengthened by this. And there are some convictions we have about what we would and would not do that are not the same as what we did. And we've learned as we've studied this book and as we've watched this play out in our church and in our people. So the gathering weakened every week, weekly, that we come looking to be strengthened and, watch this, and looking to strengthen others through the use of your gift. The purpose of it is to use your gifts, your spiritual gifts, for the service of one another. Why? So that we'd all be strengthened. Read Ephesians 4. The whole chapter talks about the strengthening of the church when people are fulfilling their roles. That's part of the strengthening is us together, gathering together. Second, it's happening in uh, community groups. Some of you are like, community groups? I thought they were called small groups. They were. They were. Um, Attention, kind of new name. Um, I want you to know that over the past year, um, I have been so uh, deeply thankful for, we've been processing through this with our uh, formerly small group leaders, um, now community group leaders, um, and then this, a move to evaluate with clarity again. This is a sharpening under Dylan's leadership in adult ministries. I am so thankful for the way that God has gifted Dylan to think through structure and foundation, every part of adult ministries. He has been giving great, phenomenal, helpful input on how we sharpen what we're doing and communicate. And what we've realized is people were like, um, you know, small groups don't really communicate what it is. And I love some of the introverts in the room and some of you were like, okay, small group. And you got to a group and you're like, not small kind of freaking out over here like some of our groups are different sizes and we realized man I don't want to I don't want like bait and switch people I want to communicate clearly and so uh, we processed through this with our group leaders and we landed on community groups and that language is going to change throughout our church our website over the next few months so be patient with that but the primary goal in community groups is what we saw in the book of Acts it's koinonia it's biblical community that these community groups is where we come together and we welcome one another in love where people know our name and know what's going on in our lives. It's the place where we open God's word together to be strengthened. It's where we pray for one another, pointed prayers where I know exactly what's going on in your life because you've shared that with me. And then within that community, a disclosure about what's really going on in my life. I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. I look and I see some people are in my small group. I know what's going on in your life. And, um, and, and I'm praying for you in that. And there's a part of that that we also care for one another in, in the practical needs of what's going on. And, and that is a community. It's community. And that's, those community groups are the primary place for biblical community at Christ Church. Get yourself connected there. Right now, in children's ministry, we start meeting in community with one another, and I love watching our children know each other, and student ministry, same thing. We have community group leaders, and they're leading community and caring for people. 
and then also for our adults. So commit to biblical community. Contact the church if you're interested in getting connected in any way like that. Finally, um, the strengthening of disciples is happening in what I would call intensive discipleship. So here's what I mean by that. Have you in the last year, even if you've been a part of our church, come upon a season or a situation or a circumstance and you're like, I have an acute need. There's something going on in my life that I don't know how to work through this. Maybe it's some aspect of studying the Bible or growing in Christ or prayer or Bible study or anxiety or fear or despair and you're like, or maybe all of a sudden you're in a season of grief and you're like, how do I navigate through this? There's an acute need. I have that all the time. I walk through these times and there's something confusing to me about theology or about the Bible and I I need some intensive discipleship. Intensive discipleship at our church happens through counseling conferences and classes. That's kind of the best way, three C's. Counseling, conferences, and classes. So let me just tell you some of the things that God's been doing in our church regarding those things. First, uh, we are processing through counseling at our church. We have some key meetings um, before the end of uh, 2021. Please pray for us in this. We're we're really rethinking and trying to to develop uh, some clarity around uh, our philosophy and strategy for counseling. Because church, I don't know if you've, if you've recognized recently, uh, there's a lot of need, a lot of need right here in our church. Two services, people filling the seats with all sorts of needs and we feel the weight of that. Marriage needs, addictions, despair, anxiety, a list could go on. And we are processing through how to navigate through that because it's a lot being honest. It's a lot. I know some of you who work in those fields understand how much a lot it is. And it could take every second of our, uh, of of the time that our pastors and directors have, our leadership team, our, our elders. So we've, we realize that we have to establish boundaries and train up others to counsel and at times outsource because we just know we can't. And listen, I hope you understand and hear our heart in this. We don't want to burn out and we have to prioritize other areas of ministry like equipping people for the work of ministry. And so we're processing through that. Because here's what we don't want to do. Out of a love for our people, we don't want to either burn out, but we also don't want to tell you that we can care for that situation when we can't. Do you see that? Like in the same way that we might not have the time or ability to handle all of it, We want to be loving by being honest with our own limitations. And there's some situations that for us to say we can handle would be wrong and foolish and ultimately unloving. And so please pray for discernment on that. And if you've got questions on that, and please do not uh, allow that to be received as any sort of apprehension if you're you're like, I'd really love to come and talk to someone. We'd love and come to talk and, and talk with you about stuff. We'd love to process with you but some of the ongoing counseling, we're going to be more careful in how we process through that, okay? And then finally this, we're processing through conferences and classes. We have some core truths that we want to see our church learn in discipleship. 
And so starting in 2022, early, probably the end of January, we're going to do a thing called um, Christ Church Institute, where we're going to have some classes that we're going to offer. We're going to kind of pause community groups and establish this time and season in our church where there's some classes on things like growing in Christ or how to study your Bible or some basic theology or marriage foundations. Because we know there's some needs that we have. And to get in some different community around that, there'll be a community element in all those classes. And, and we're, we're looking to see, now what do our people need and how can we serve you forward so that we're strengthened, amen? So that we're strengthened. Why? Why? So, 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 we, can, so we can be like, oh man, look how strong we are? No, because when disciples are strengthened, the truth and the reality and the impact of the gospel is seen in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our world. And when we're walking in obedience and we're strong, our witness is louder and more clear. And that is the end goal of the local church, to continue to extend the gospel to our world. And we want to be strengthened so that we can be what God's called us to be. And so into that, um, I just want you to see that whether it's the sharpening the mission and pillars, solidifying the leadership, or strengthening the disciples, all of this is because we are called to continue the redemptive mission of God. And so as we close this message, what I want to do is something a bit different. Um, there was a song that was recently um, released, and very quickly, um, in, I, Chris introduced it to me, and it is the perfect um, song to summarize the heart of God for the local church and our response to it. And so I want you, before we pray, just to hear this song, just to listen to it, to absorb the words, to affirm the things in this song that we've been talking about for the last year plus. This is the heart of Acts in a song that just communicates, I believe, God's heart for the church. So just sit and listen to this, and then we'll take some time to pray in a few moments.